Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Hey, we're going to try something different this morning. We're starting a new series called Being, Becoming, Doing. And uh, we thought that we'd say something that means that we could do anything we wanted, really, under that title. Uh, But really, a big part of it is that we're going to be pressing into what it means to grow in our life of faith, to grow in knowing God, who we're becoming as we have this beautiful relationship with God, who is invested in us and wants us to become all that we can be, all that he's made us to be. And so we're going to be exploring how we can step into that, how that works, what that could look like. But we have this morning, I'm going to be doing a a call uh, with Strawn Coleman. And uh, yes, some of you know Strawn is a a professional musician, award-winning musician. He's an author. He's a poet. He's a... um, He's a spiritual director. He's all sorts of things. And uh, he's going to be someone that I know will encourage us in our journey into God. So we're going to jump on the call now. And um, we're gonna, I'm just going to have a nice like, personal conversation, me and him and the 300 of you. So <laughs> sound good? All right. Strawn, have you been listening to that? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for uh, having me into your space in this very strange way of doing church. It's been awesome. Why don't you give him a big welcome? So, Strawn, why don't we kick off, just help everyone here to get to know you a little bit better. Um, and, you know, where are you? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your maybe your journey uh, of faith, just to give people a framework as we, uh, as we kick into things. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, yeah, so hello to everybody I haven't met before. I can basically only see the backs of your heads, so um, I can't judge by your mother's just picture of you up. No, 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 no. Um, but I, yeah, so I'm strong, I'm a musician, as Matt said, and um, I've been walking with God since I was in my early teens, but I really kind of just this life commitment to Him since my late teens and 20s. I have three boys, uh, 10, 8, and 4, who are full of beans, full of energy, and keep me alive, keep me on my toes. Um, and my wife and I, we live down in Tairua in the Coromandel, so we moved down here um, just before the first lockdowns, actually, so we've been down here four years, and um, that's been a big change for us. Before we moved, I was doing a lot of touring overseas, um, lived as a, as a musicianary for a number of years, traveling sharing the gospel through music, uh, and but always with a, a desire to see the Spirit of God um, offered to people, or the love of God offered to people through His presence. And um, today that's what I do. I sort of work with people to help them enrich and deepen and awaken to God's presence in their life and, and the different stages of what they're working through. So um, I do that through kind of prayer schools and writing prayer books and, and working with people one-on-one. So 
I love coffee. I'm not meant to drink it because I've been like, I've got this long chronic health journey, which uh, is partly why I'm calling in today because I'm, I'm kind of on a travel ban from my specialists at the moment. Um, but uh, I love coffee so much that it's been the one, other than Jesus, the one consistent good <laughs> thing in my life. Uh, and other than that, I love coffee, books, music, family, and of course, uh, Taitua, this beautiful place. So, yeah, hopefully that tells you a little bit about me. Uh, that's great and helpful for people to know too. You've, um, well, you have founded something called the Commoners Communion. Is that, have I said that right? Commoners Communion. And uh, you're, you're a spiritual director. You run uh, prayer retreats. You run you know, prayer courses online in person uh, for those interested that are uh, go deeper into their, their walk with God. And, uh, and more recently, um, written a book called Beholding, and uh, which I had when I was on uh, on my break last week, and enjoyed reading through that. It's been it was just so um, there's something about it that just was just made me just lean back into the arms of God again. It was just uh, I loved it. So um, you know, people interested in that, they you know, be great. How could they? How could people buy your book? It, it's, it's in, in every, every good bookstore. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, it's in Mana Bookstore, so you find it there. Nice. Um, but if, if they don't have any in stock there, then you can um, go to my website and, and grab it there. Yeah. Good. And people have been wanting you to help them on their journey of faith for a while. And um, I know that before you moved to Tairua, you were... Um, part of the staff team at Central Vineyard Church and they you know, loved having you uh, there and as part of uh, their community there. But um, what are you, why is it that people want to talk to you? You know, what is it about, um, what are you finding that has been really, you know, super helpful as people are wanting to explore this whole thing of like, I feel like there is more in there should be more about this life in God. And I um, tell, tell us, can you maybe we could kick off there and then we'll see where that goes. Yeah, well, honestly, I don't know why people, you know, I wish I knew why people wanted to speak to me um, in, in terms of me personally. But I wonder if part of it is that I, I know, at least for myself, I've given my life to prayer. And I, I might not have said that you know, sort of 10 years ago, may not have used that language. But I think for me, the heart of the of of faith has always been this personal encounter, this experience with God, that if if there was anything really offered through the gospel, it was that each each of us could have this dynamic and vital union with God, this one and oneness, this beingness. And that's actually like in, in our culture, in our sort of post-enlightenment Western culture, we're very head-oriented. And so we we tend to think that we can achieve that through just more study, more theology, reading the Bible. Like if I just keep turning up to church every Sunday, and all of that's part of it. Um, but when it comes to relationship, we've actually got to sink down out of our minds into our hearts. And that's quite a different journey to to learn to, to kind of meet with God through experience and through our hearts. So... I think that um, there are lots of different parts of our culture that can satisfy the mind or interests or whatever. But 
when it comes to um, experiencing God and knowing God in prayer, that's something we just kind of have to openly explore together. And for me, that's always been like, that's been the heart of it for me. It's, if this gospel is real, I want to know and experience God personally. And we kind of language that by saying that's prayer. Um, but I think that what I realized in my work with Central Vineyard is sort of, you know, we had this primarily young adult community was that, you know, I started to run prayer meetings. So I was like, all right, well, great. Let's just meet for an hour before the service. We'll pray just all the things. Someone can speak in tongues if they want, you know, we'll just declare and whatever. Um, and like the first prayer meeting, maybe six or seven people turned up and only maybe three people prayed. The next prayer meeting, about four people turned up. The next prayer meeting, three. And then, then it was basically just me and one other person for for eight months. And I realized through that experience that I'd come through a culture that really practiced prayer a lot in my early 20s. I came through a very charismatic culture. You basically just jumped into the flow and you just blabbity-gabbity, whatever, until, until it was over. But actually, in my experience, 99% of people, and I include myself in this, you know, don't feel they know how to pray, don't feel good at it, have nowhere, no idea where to start. And I think kind of being on staff at church, being someone involved in prayer and realizing that there was like 400 people in our community that when you said, let's pray, were either anxious, terrified, insecure, or embarrassed, or just completely lost, to me felt like, man, there's work to do here. So I think at least on my part, I started to say, let's talk about prayer Here's my experience. Here's the experience of the saints and scripture and everything we can understand. And, and, and maybe because I've been so open about it um, that it's become sort of a, a big topic in my life. But I certainly think that in the church, most people, you know, probably most likely the person sitting beside you does not feel like a professional at prayer. Um, I know I certainly don't. You know, I still feel like a child. So, yeah. I think it's probably um, the same for you know for all of us. I, I guess if I ask the question, hey, put your hand up if you if you feel like your your, your prayer life needs some more work. My my guess would be that we'd all be putting our our hands up and uh, recognizing that um, we're you know we're we're walking you know slowly, stumbling uh, along, trying to trying to figure this thing out. One of the things that was you know I loved about your book and really that. Um, uh, you're talking about how just valuable it is that we understand that we um, we can have this genuine friendship with God as opposed to like a, a working relationship where you know God's the, a working relationship like God's the boss. Um, here's some things I've got to do today. I need to talk to him about them. I need to ask him for help. I need to um, bring my list of requests. Um, and uh, so. Um, can you um, unpack that a little bit, just around you know friendship with God versus a, a working relationship with God? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as as someone who's sort of worked in ministry for like I don't know, fifteen years now, I can say that you know a lot of people think working for church or you know being in ministry or being a you know doing whatever in the gospel um, must make you so intimate with God. But I've learned that probably one of the biggest dangers of ministry is that you develop this kind of working relationship with God. And I think that's just can be a de facto thing for so many of us, you know, like we're just doing the mahi, we're, we're doing the work of the gospel, we're, we're doing the study, we're doing the community, you know, life is full, life is really difficult at times. And there's lots of pressure on us, especially as we grow. Um, and we just kind of get into this functional place with God where it's, 
prayer is primarily about intercession and repentance or praise and there's this kind of transactionalism that takes place um and for me like i talk a little bit about it in beholding but i call this kind of a sin-centered gospel because um i think this idea of god is most interested in what we do for him comes out of the this sort of gospel that's been preached where the main sort of topic of conversation between god and us is sin and we kind of do this for preaching the gospel the gospel is this that you know we are unworthy and we're full of sin and therefore god sent jesus to satisfy his anger or his you know disappointment or whatever we want to call it in our sin and so that the main point of jesus coming was to um to heal and forgive our sin and Although that gospel is true and Jesus did come to deal with the very real sin problem that we cannot, like, just absolutely must deal with, the main priority of Jesus' sort of life, death, and resurrection wasn't actually the forgiveness of sin. It was what the New Testament authors call reconciliation, um, that we were called to be reconciled to God. And actually that, that word, so if we think of forgiveness, forgiveness is clearing a slate. So you come, you come to me, and I don't know, you steal my stuff or you beat me up or whatever. Um, forgiveness is me saying, you know what? I'm not going to take you to court. I'm not going to press charges. Um, but we'll leave it there. You go on this way. I'm going to go on that way. Whereas reconciliation says, uh, reconciliation is actually the restoration of friendship. That's what it what it means. And so um, a gospel of reconciliation isn't God. God just saying, you know what, I forgive you, but you've got to keep coming back every time you sin so that I can keep forgiving you, otherwise we're not going to know each other. The gospel is that God wants us so much that he dealt with the sin issue so that we could enter into this eternal friendship with him. And, and what I think that does is it changes prayer because so much of us feel like prayer is a place where we come to God and uh, instead of coming to him as a friend, the first thing we think about is, uh, repentance. And when I always ask most people how they start prayer, they start with repentance. But that's not even how Jesus taught us to pray. If you think about the Lord's Prayer, it says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And otherwise, you're good, you're glorious, you're wonderful. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an invitation to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control in us in the world. Give us today our daily bread. And then forgive us our sins. So even in the Lord's Prayer, we see this reconciliation where God says, I don't want sin to be the main topic anymore. And so why that matters for me is I think we sort of functionally live out this gospel that is, we're all sinners and horrible. The world is sinners and horrible. Therefore, we've got to fix the sin issue. And there's very little um, sort of friendship and vitality and beauty and goodness outside of that. And I think what, what what I want to see in my life in the church is this flipping where prayer is a place of joy and intimacy and vitality and friendship and life. It's like it's the thing we want to do most. Um, and yes, we bring our life into form with God. You know, we deal with our sin, but but prayer should actually be the place we go to be friends with God. And I think that changes how we pray, how we approach it and how we talk about it. So. That's my small take on working relationship to friendship is almost sort of dethroning sin and enthroning um, divine intimacy with God as, as our sort of priority. Uh, so good. I'm hearing a lot of amens out there. It's, uh, is that helpful? That's pretty good. It's real good. Um, 
I know that it, it can feel like, and possibly the way people have heard the gospel and heard the invitation uh, into faith is that, you know, the, um, the repentance, the forgiveness of sins, the, the turning from darkness to light is like um, the goal. And, uh, and once you land there, it's like, yay. And yet it's, when you look at the life that Jesus invites us into, it's more like, that's like the starting line. It's kind of almost like the, the amazing race, you know, like you, you start and you've got all these adventures ahead of you, some unknowns, some challenges, um, but this, these adventures are ahead of you. And if you hear the starting gun and you just think like, yes, I've made it, you've missed out on the whole amazing part of the, of, of the race. And I know that um, in that great, uh, great book uh, by Dallas Willard, The Divine Conspiracy, he talks about that. He starts off and talks about the gospel of sin management. It's almost like people have heard that. And some of you may have stepped into faith with that understanding of like, it's all about just getting clear of uh, and forgiven and, and, and I get that clean slate that you talked about um, with God. And what a wonderful, what incredible gift that is. I mean, it's a gift that, that does allow us to step out of darkness into light. Um, and yet it's an invitation to the start of just the, you know, the, 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 the best journey. So um, I, I love that. Um, and um, so thank you. Thank you. That's uh, that's super helpful. One of the things too that um, I know for me that um, like you know you do these personality tests and every time I do a personality test for me it pops out like I'm a I'm I'm the productive guy, the productivity guy, the get things done guy, and so easy for that to spill over into your relationship with God. Like um, one of my big challenges is like how does my prayer time um, how is how can this be the most productive? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's such an un- unhelpful way of thinking. But you've talked about uh, that um, uh, in such helpful ways in your book. Have you got some some help for for me for us? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I think even if you're not like a productivity high productivity on the personality scale, you know, I mean, I do these prayer schools where you know we get thirty or forty people in a journey for ten weeks, and we just talk about prayer and. We have times where we dialogue and always this is this comes up across the board for everybody in every country across every generation is we start talking about adoring, beholding God, sitting in silence and stillness. And the first thing that comes up is that sounds pretty unproductive, Strawn. Like what what's the goal here? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have to spend this amazing amount of time being like, why does there need to be a who told us that prayer has to be productive, that it has to be a goal? And as I've kind of searched for an answer to that question, I've realized, um, so in in my understanding, um, I don't actually think productivity is a New Testament goal. It's not a New Testament theology. Productivity, as I understand it, is basically uh, like the baby child of the Industrial Revolution. So the Industrial Revolution is basically high quantity low price. Do you know what I mean? So we're just going to create factories. We're going to create urban centers. We're going to streamline everything. We're going to have calendars and digital clocks. And we're just going to do all the stuff so that we can create as much product as possible because that's what fuels the economy. That's what fuels globalization. 
And I don't think we realize how much this has influenced our mindset. So what, what would be the alternative to productivity in the in the gospel is fruitfulness. Now that changes everything. You think about fruitfulness, you think of what the illustration of fruitfulness is a tree planted in the soil that has to be watered, that for most of the year doesn't bear any fruit, that has to be pruned and shaped, it has to be go through the seasons, it has to be protected from extreme wind, sometimes it's frosty, some years the fruit is little, some years the fruit, that's a completely different paradigm to post-industrial productivity, which is basically high output all the time, non-stop, boom, 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 like a factory. So when it comes to prayer, I think we have to give ourselves, uh, we have to let ourselves believe what the gospel preaches, which is that Jesus and God is looking for fruitfulness. Now, if you want to be fruitful in your life, I can guarantee you it's not going to come from working harder and doing more in your own strength. It's going to come from putting your roots down into the patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, compassion, loving kindness of God in his spirit. And as, as his spirit soaks us into our bones and marrow, into the core of us, we begin to bear fruit. And so when it comes to prayer, we can't judge whether our prayer life is working based on the amount of time we've given it in, that, in the day and how we feel at the end of it. We have to suspend our feelings and emotions. And we have to say, who do I, what kind of fruit do I want to bear in three months, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, by the time that I'm 85? And say, to do that, to bear that kind of fruit, how do I need to be with God? And I think that's a much more beautiful way of thinking about it. So I would just say, in answer to your question, throw productivity out the window. No one, no one, I don't think, in the New Testament is asking for productivity. That's not the same. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't be active and don't engage. I'm just saying that that sort of high-level productivity output is an industrial mindset. But the biblical mindset is fruitfulness, which actually comes through a change in our nature, which comes from soaking in the Spirit and the power of the Spirit moving through us um, and working outside of that. So in prayer, what we want to do is we want to come to God and experience Him in such a way and be open to Him in such a way that we encounter directly His nature and His nature then encounters us in the depth of our soul. And that's where transformation happens, not through the mind, but through the Spirit moving through our soul in a sort of union with God and experiencing Him. Yeah, it's good stuff, eh? Yeah. I know that... Um, uh, I've, I've heard you say at other times that you've spent days um, out at the Franciscan Friary. Is that the one at Hillsborough? Yeah. yeah uh, I, it's it's Vaughan Park out at Long Bay. Oh, Vaughan, oh, Vaughan Park. Park. Okay. So um, there's another one at Hillsborough. Vaughan Park's a great place to go, these places where you can go and retreat. Um, I know that for me, I, I used to, you know, um, when I was living out west, used to head off to the Friary at uh, Hillsborough, uh, and um, spend a day there, and it did take take like a you know, a bit of time just before I can sort of shake off that sense of I've got to make the most of this and and get into that place of just being with God. And um, but the the end of a day there, and I know that for for people that uh, they may think like, how do you spend a whole day praying? Um, and and like it's like I know that my mind would be drifting off into all sorts of places throughout the day, but I also remember at the end of the day just feeling like 
I'm different, you know. And that's I'm different. Something something has has happened here, just in that uh, in that being with with God. And uh, so yay for yay for Ferraris, um, and and being there. And I know too, like it's just yesterday I was just walking. Um, I've got this little office at the bottom of my um, garden as well, and uh, was walking past this tree. It's um it's maybe ten foot tall, and I replanted it about. Uh, couple of months ago optimistic you know thinking like a tree that big is it going to survive and uh and it was looking sad and it's just like I'm just could tell like I didn't get it connected enough to the soil <laughs> you know um and uh anyway one thing I'd love to talk about you, again in your uh in the book you you talked about um being uh near on rivers like I know years ago now with friends I um I canoed down the uh the Whanganui River and uh remember there was this one particular rapid that we got to and you know we knew that this was a rapid that was you know potentially uh challenging for us and I thought like I'm going to go last and I'm going to watch my friends go over it first and they both they you know there's four of them went over and they all you know uh, capsized <laughs> <laughs> I thought like, okay, I've got this sorted. So um, we went down the rapid and uh, yeah, ended up very wet as well. So, uh, But you've got some beautiful pictures around canoeing and kayaking um, down a river. Um, that whole thing of you can stand on the side of the river and you can look at it and it's beautiful being beside a river. But then being in a river... Um, that's where that's where the adventure starts. That's where the the fun the fun is. But you've got this beautiful picture there. Do you want to un- unpack that a little bit for us? I think that'd be helpful, helpful for everyone. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I it's actually I've never thought about standing beside the river and looking at it. Um, and in the book, I don't talk about that, but it's actually really important because I think that um, just kind of pulling on these threads of of how our culture has formed us over these last especially sort of four or 500 years with the development of enlightenment thinking and philosophy and rationalization and materialism is that um, I think that sometimes what we can do, so a, li- a prayerless life is the life of looking at the river and studying the river and knowing all about it and reading testimonies about people who swim and 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 how good it feels, but never actually diving into that experience of God itself. And I think what can happen is, is is if we don't live a life of prayer, which is another way of saying if we don't live a life of attentiveness toward God or openness toward God and all things, um, we can feel like we're missing out. Like this whole thing is just a theoretical exercise. Um, and I love that you said that because I've never clicked onto this whole image. But um, in the book, the way I, I kind of think about prayer, because a lot of people will say, this sounds like you're wasting. You know, when I talk about beholding, Beholding is our gazing into God lovingly as he gazes lovingly back into us, which sounds about as flighty as possible to most people. And that, the instant thing is like, like, dude, hey, what on earth is that? Secondly, you know, that sounds really unproductive and, you know, all the all the sort of accusations of navel gazing and all the rest of it. So this image of the river for me is my way of talking about how we hold intention Um what the the ancient church or the historical church is called contemplation, which I call beholding, and then this intercession and petition. So if we sort of imagine that the river is the spirit of God, you know, Hebrews talks about Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, and it says he lives to intercede for us. Um, in other words, Jesus, what Jesus is doing now in heaven 
is continually praying for us. He lives a life of intercession. In um, uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, Paul also says, "But we don't know what to pray for." So the spirit within us groans with, with you know, prays with groans beyond understanding. So, and he's interceding. So we, Ephesians 4 tells us that we are seated in Christ. And what is Christ doing while we're seated in him? He's interceding for the world. But he's also given us the spirit. So it's through, through the spirit, Christ is seated in us. And the spirit's interceding. So this river is the prayer and the life of God that is always moving. You are literally, all of us, we are all... Um, sort of divine, we, we, we're human receptacles of this divine conversation that's always happening. While you're sleeping, God is interceding through you, the spirit in you praying to the son that you're in, who in response is praying for you. So this weird Trinitarian thing going on. So whenever we begin to pray, to pray, we're simply wading into that river. We're just saying, I open myself to experience the intercession of the son through the spirit to the father and so on and so forth. So what does that mean? Well, there's two ways I can do that. One, I can wade in and I can lie on my back and I can just enjoy seeing the world through God's eyes, adore him, rest in him. I can just, you know, in my heart, open my being up to him so that I'm in this beautiful experience. And I'm just, wait, you know, being caught up in the flow of the river, watching the, the flower, you know, the flowers on the side and the plants and enjoying the flow. That's sort of what contemplation is. That's being beingness with God. That's just experiencing and loving him. Um, but the alternative is that I can also wade in with my kayak and I can jump on that kayak and I can just follow the ebb and flow of the river. And, you know, like you're saying, you know, navigate the rapids and the eddies and the rocks. And that's a co-laboring with God. And when I'm doing that, I'm saying yes <laughs> to the work of the spirit that's already sort of interceding and moving. Um, but I'm also bringing my own personality, my own life, my own wants and desires. And so in a healthy prayer life, we'll be doing both. Yeah, and right. actually really in a healthy prayer life, we'll probably just easily and naturally flow from one to the other. That It really would just be one thing that um, we, we will sort of experience adoration for God and then move through those things. But in both ways of being, the river is the spirit. The Spirit's the one that's moving. It's God the one that inspires. He's the beginning and in the end. And I think in that sense, prayer can be beautiful and restful no matter what you... Because a lot of people think, if I'm going to intercede and all this stuff, it's going to be exhausting and intense. And I'm like, just wait. Just wait for five minutes. Ask the Spirit to well up and you just float for a little while. Feel the movements of His kingdom just awakening your soul and your mind and your body and then respond. Um, respond to Jesus' prayer, respond to the prayer of the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, that's sort of a, a bit of an illustration that I work through in the book to sort of help people almost sort of, yeah, an image we can understand to how we can then move into the Spirit in prayer. Oh, that's so good. Hey, um, this whole phrase, spiritual formation, it seems to have um, a, a, a fresh freshness about it, a, a revival of that term. For some people, they're hearing it, they're thinking like, oh, this is something new. <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, it's been part of the, the last 2,000 years of uh, of the Christian faith, this, uh, this understanding that we uh, can be formed, that by, as we come and join our lives 
with God, then he will, you know, the spirit within us, the journey that he takes us on, the uh, our engagement in things like prayer, you know, reading of the scripture, serving, um, giving, um, fasting, different things that we can step into that can um, actually bring about change in who we are. Um, what are you seeing in terms of... Um, what that looks like, or what encouragement could you give us on that journey where um, you're seeing that as we step into these things, there uh, people are, are there is transformation, there is uh, there is life, there is um, you know you talked about how you know what sort of people do we want to be in five years, ten years, twenty years when we're eighty five what can we step into today that would be would be helpful or what what are some of the things that you're inviting people into that are finding just so so helpful in their journey with God yeah I mean I think that the the movement and spiritual formation is just so profound and and crucial um i I think for me the the biggest uh work in that is the framing that this this is the gospel god desires you like he desires us like yearns for us and not out of necessity or need like you know we yearn for god because we basically die without it we're made for god it's not that's not a two-way street god yearns for us not out of insecurity but total security god desires for us because that's who he is so the gospel is that God desires to know us so much that he sent his son and then his spirit so that he could live inside of us. That's the kind of intimacy that God desires. So spiritual formation is simply our yes to that. Spiritual formation is just our response. So it's God acts first and he says, I love you, I want you to know me, and I want to live in you. Uh, and, and we say yes, and this is an act of God's grace. His spirit moves upon us and he gives us grace. But the grace he gives us is then to be transformed into his likeness. And what that does is it draws us into int intimacy with him. So uh, maybe like a really helpful image for this is marriage. So in marriage, you desire someone. You don't marry someone because you need to get your bills paid and you want someone to do your dishes for you. Well, let me just warn you, especially if there's any young men out there, do not get married <laughs> just to have someone do your washing and your dishes, all right? Um, we get married out of desire. And what is that? We make, First of all, we make a covenant long before we can keep it, especially in the biblical tradition, right? We make a covenant before we even engage in, in bodily intimacy together. So the covenant, the covenant is saying, I want you, I love you, and I want, I want to now I'll reshape the, my entire existence around you. You will become the center of my world. Will you do the same? And they say, yes. Now, from that point on, everything we do, we do together. And Jesus says we become one flesh. So we're actually moving in this sort of interlockingness together in marriage. Um, now, the things that we do, we say no to something like eight point something other billion. No, it must be about four point something other billion women. You know, when I said yes, said yes to Katie, I said no to that. But I also said no to living in a house of my own. I also said no to lots of things. 
And that matters because if I choose to live my life in opposition to the covenant of marriage, if I keep my heart open to other women, if I don't, if I do live in another house, if I, I'm not responsible to her, that would be crazy, right? Like that just makes no sense. There would be no point in getting married. So what the spiritual disciplines are is us simply saying yes to God with our life, which means no to a whole bunch of other stuff. And we struggle with this because then someone comes along and says, hey, you should fast or give your money or do all this. And we go, but hang on a second, aren't I saved by grace? And it's like, yeah, of course you are. But that's exactly why we do it. Because out of this overflow of love and response to the covenant, we are now living in this covenanted life. Now, the second thing about this image is that the more that we of our life that we give to the other person, the more that we serve them, the more that we love them, the more that we give all of our being to them, the closer we become and the deeper our experience of love. And so it is with spiritual disciplines and God. The more of our life that we give up and serve him, the more charity we're able to give, the more um, pure we're able to keep our hearts and minds, the more we're able to overcome our gluttony by bringing our body into alignment with our hearts and all these things. Um, it's not that we please God more. It's that we experience him more because we become like him. And as we become like him, we go, oh, goodness, oh, kindness, oh, passion. And love springs up out of us and our hearts follow suit and we live this divine marriage with God. So I think for me, the spiritual disciplines are simply the church's way of saying, Yes, hallelujah, you can have all of me because in giving all of myself, I receive more of you and this experience in flames and my heart comes alive and I'm 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 flamed with divine passion. It's not about um and out of that we may we will become sort of quote unquote better Christians or kinder and all of that. But that's downriver, man. Like the what the 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 top of the waterfall is this beautiful experience of union with God. Everything else we're just trying to get there. So um, I think we've lacked this in the church for a long time. I think we we sort of made a one-dimensional gospel that said, saved by grace, don't worry about the rest. Um, but I think if we bring our experience in union with God to the top, it's like, man, what do I have to do to experience more of this profound divine love? I'll do. Just tell me what i got to do. And as we draw near to God with our lives, we, we just awaken in our hearts to him. So... A um, bit of a diatribe, but that's how I how I feel about spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Hey, Strawn, it's been such a uh, a pleasure, my friend, um, having you. And that, like I say, I just am so grateful. I'm. I'm just, could I ask one uh, thing of you as we finish? Could I ask you to pray for us um, and uh, ask ask invite God into um, into our space? I know that there are people here who are um, hearts will have been you know open, stirred, um, challenged. Um, but yeah, can you can you pray for us? We'd love that. Of course. And yeah, just thanks again for accommodating me like this, man. It's such a pleasure to be with God's people and to be with you all this morning and, and to share what, what God's put on my heart. And yeah, amazing, even though I've got these sort of restrictions on my life through my, my health that, that you've sort of opened this. So thank you for having me. I would love to pray. Love to pray. So yeah, let's pray. Oh, Jesus, you... You are the most perfect picture of all goodness and glory and power and love. And you just, you became totally naked for us. You became human. You were willing to die out of the deep desire you have to know us, God. We just want to give you all of our life as a yes. 
Oh, we want to respond by saying, yes, God, with all the little love that I have, let me love you more. With all the little strength and energy, with all the little self-control, with what little I can give, let me give all of that to you. Knowing that it's still not enough, that it is still eaten up and overwhelmed and saturated by your far greater, far more perfect love. You're so beautiful and wonderful, God. Help us to see that and to give more of ourselves to you. And God, this morning, I ask for your spirit to move through this church. God, would you awaken us and wound us for love? God, would you transform our minds and our hearts? Would you help us to overcome shame and fear and worry and anxiety and simply welcome the reality of your eternal love? God, would the power of your love set us free from depression? Would the power of your love set us free from addiction? Would the power of your love set us free from numbness and emptiness and the not caringness that just overcomes us in our culture, would you set us free? Would you liberate us from not feeling? Would you make us alive again? God, we want to burn for you. We want our hearts to be on fire for you. And so we open ourselves to you this morning and just say, yes, we say yes. Come and move upon us, Holy Spirit. Let us love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whānau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day and be blessed.